Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all stars of light. Praise him, highest heavens and the waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He has also established them forever and ever. He has made a decree which will not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth. Sea monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and winged fowl. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and virgins, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven, and he has lifted up a horn for his people. Praise for all his godly ones, even for the sons of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. We have come today to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen? Let us do just that. Find a hymnal if you would. Stand to your feet. Number 14, praise to the Lord, the Almighty.
say amen. amen. Let the amen sound from his people again. As you greet one another, say praise the Lord this morning. Good morning, church family. If ever there were a moment and a people to be thankful, it would be this church on this day. Amen? Amen. Thankfulness is exactly the right response for a day like today. It's one of the ways that God helps us process. It's a lens that God helps us see what's actually happening here physically and in our hearts and minds spiritually. Thankfulness causes us to look back on the last 23 years with tremendous gratitude. A thousand memories come flooding back. Laughter in the hallways, a miracle on McCullough, a New Testament church forming in the city of the center, center of the city. Aren't you grateful you got to experience that? God is good. Thankfulness causes us to look forward and see a future with enormous hope where God continues his kingdom work in and through a church just like ours, a revitalizing downtown and a city with exploding population will surround our church with workers and neighbors who need salvation through Christ and a community of faith that will encourage and minister to them. Does that opportunity excite you? Thankfulness causes us to have great joy in the present, knowing that God is faithful. God is building his church. God is able and willing to meet with us today, right now in these moments. He promises to work in our hearts to make us more like Jesus Christ. Anyone need that work today? Me too. Want to build a church? Then let's worship today with gratitude, hope, and joy. We're also thankful that we have not only our TV audience this morning uh, joining us in this room, but we have Logos service and we have our Hispanic uh, services as well all together here in this room. Just a moment, Rini will be praying. He'll be praying in Spanish. Uh, Aaron has asked me to read our scripture this morning in East Texan. So uh, <laughs> if, if you'll follow along, Colossians 1 beginning at verse 28. Let me give you just a brief context on this scripture. Paul is writing to the church and this is, he's writing about Christ and the uh, mystery of the gospel of Christ being open to the Gentiles. As he begins here in verse 28, he says, we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also, I labor, striving according to the power, his power, which works mightily with me. I'm going to ask you to stand. Let us pray. 
Padre, te damos gracias por los momentos que los concedes. Estamos agradecidos por la gracia que los has derramado sobre esta iglesia. No olvidamos del propósito por el cual venimos a estar aquí. A darte gracias por tu Hijo amado Cristo Jesús, el pago que pagó en la cruz y que creyendo en Él, Señor, nos das vida eterna. Pero también no descuidamos que estos son los últimos momentos de que vamos a disfrutar de tu Hijo Dan y Holly. Señor, gracias te damos. Gracias te damos por la vida de Dios. Bendice la vida de Dan y de Holly. Que tu mano esté sobre ellos y que tu presencia siempre esté con nosotros. En tu Hijo amado Cristo Jesús. Amén. Remain standing if you would. We're going to sing again. So if you're new to our worship service, I hope you got a bulletin to follow along. You can find out what song we're about to sing next. You can read along with the scripture. It's a, it's a great way to keep up with this. I hope that you will hold in your hands a hymnal or, or share one in your, with your family. We're going to sing next, Footsteps of Jesus. You can bet if there's a hymn that has the word Siloam in it, when we're reading that in reverse, we're going to sing that on the Sunday. But here's the truth. In that moment in Jesus' ministry, the disciples were led by this pool where there was this young man. And through that young man's testimony, he was saved. He found hope. He found sight. So wherever God's footsteps may lead us, may we willingly go. So let us sing of his footsteps, his footprints. Let's go together. 483, Footsteps of Jesus.
be seated. It's a privilege to invite the children of the congregation to come and join me here this morning. Let's talk about what the Bible is saying to us and how we can live in love for Jesus. While they gather, let me just exp express my own gratitude to each of you, and particularly for your prayers in these days as we all seek the Lord together. It is the Lord that is the hope of this church. And so <laughs> I suppose I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, I owe y'all one, all right? <laughs> when I was a boy, um, we were going to go on a trip. My parents used a map. They were hard to unfold. Uh, these days, our maps are on cell phones mostly, but we didn't have cell phones. And so these big old maps were in everybody's car, and we would pull them out and figure out where we were going to go. Um, Tomorrow, Miss Holly and I, we're going to go on a trip. We're going to move to a new city. And Pastor Chris, he's going to stay here, and he's going to keep telling you about Jesus. Now watch me, boys and girls. You're going to learn and learn and learn and learn. And everything he teaches you, you're just going to take it right in your heart, and you're going to do what, he, what the Lord's saying. When we leave, God's going to be our map. He's going to say... Join that church or find that ministry or do this for me. When we get to a new place, that's not going to change. He's going to be our map. But watch this. He's going to be your map too. God's going to tell this church, you get on your knees, you listen to me, you do what I'm asking you, and it's all going to work just fine. I read my Bible every day. I've told you that. I love to read my Bible Listen to what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will guide your steps. He will be your map. And that's what makes us Christians, is we just know that. We know that about God. So whether you're a big kid or a little kid, it's the same. Let's pray together. Here we go. So every one of these children, you know their name and you know the sadness of their life and the joy of it. And you know the purpose of their life and there isn't anybody who can be a map for them but you. So today, Lord Jesus, say again to every one of these children, uh, I am your map, I will show you the way. Cause them to search you out in your word and in prayer. Cause them to avoid sin because that would break that communication. Lord Jesus, bless these boys and girls in this church. Our eyes are on you. In your name we pray. Amen. We love you guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming today. <laughs> you realize most of the churches that are meeting to this... Are this morning across the globe are smaller than what just met right there. <laughs> How grateful we are. I hope you've been reading Reverse. I hope you've been keeping up with, with this reading all week long as we've encountered John chapter 9. 
And whether or not God has delivered you from a physical ailment like he delivered this young man, the testimony is the same, isn't it? He says clearly when, they, when, when pressed, when pressed the second or third time, he says, listen, I don't know what you want from me. All I can tell you is I was blind and now I see. So wh whatever your journey is, whatever it is that God has re redeemed you from, you can say clearly, I was lost, but Jesus found me. I was broken and he filled me up. And this is our testimony and this is why we sing. So as we prepare to hear from the word this morning, let us sing of a soul redeemed to say clearly I was blind, but now I see. It's hymn number 330. Let's sing together.
standing. Not one of us in here realizes the gift this is to have a portion of God's scripture in our hand. We read this today with great confidence. I want your neighbor to hear you read. I want your own heart to hear your neighbor's voice reading this text all together. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Would you be seated and find a Bible and turn to John chapter 9, please, for the larger teaching of this text. The longer you read it, the clearer it becomes that there's a message in this miracle. This is not just a miracle story. It is a particular message that's driven by the kind of miracle it is, a story underneath it. John 9 isn't just about the blind men who can't see. It's actually message is all of us are blind, the Pharisees particularly, but all of us are blind. Think of it. Day after day, most of us walk through life missing what is really there. The invisible things, the important things. We are so materially focused that we miss the larger story. Thank God for reverse. From it, week after week, we hear the Spirit say to us, go read that story again. Think at a deeper level. Read it again. I have something that I want to tell you there. For Jesus, if you ask Jesus to summarize this story, it was about the works of God. Look at verse 3. Uh, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was in order that the works of God, there it is, as the focus of Christ, the works of God would be displayed in him. The disciples got sidetracked, we do too. Who sinned? Why did this happen? Look me, Jesus wasn't interested in that conversation, not at all. He, he didn't ask why, Lord, did this happen? He asked what should we do about this? And not only what should we do about it, but what did God send us here to do about that? That was the larger question in the mind of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing man he was. He just saw life through different eyes, and he said, we don't ask why. We ask, what should we do? What is God doing? Life is not, for Jesus, about calamities. It's not about disappointments or even spending time trying to fix blame. Life for Jesus was all an opportunity, even when it was painful, for the glory of God to shine through. 
Every moment of your life is this opportunity for the larger story to shine into the world through that circumstance. I think G. Campbell Morgan was right. Where you put the period in this sentence really matters. For years, most of us in the Protestant world have read this text as it was printed in our bulletin this morning. But Morgan said, and the Greek doesn't decide this one way or the other, that the period belongs after the word parents. Let's read it again. Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents period. At least insofar as deciding why this condition is here, it really doesn't trace back to sin. He's not denying that men are sinners. He's saying that's not the cause of this. But in order, next sentence, capital letter, but in order that the works of God might be displayed in him, we must work the works while we still have time. Do you see the difference? Do you see the point he is saying that in the mind of Jesus, every day's question, its larger question is, what is God doing in the world and how can I be a part of it? Um, it was a burning issue for Jesus. He said, we must do this work. It harkens back to his 12-year-old life saying, I must be about my father's business. Watch me, everybody. Jesus did not treat religion, higher thought, obedience to an eternal plan as some sort of option that you could do, something that you could visit occasionally. For Jesus, it was the center of his existence. We must, that is our one obligation in life is to determine what God is doing and how I am to be a part of it. Uh, and he says, we must Already, the Lord is spreading the umbrella of his own calling over his people. He is including us in his assignment. Jesus will later say, greater works than these will you do because I go to the Father. I will leave and give you the Spirit, but the church will be about this task until I come back for you. At the close of this service, this great church will close one chapter and start the next. You know, and I do too, that nothing of the essential nature or call of this church will be different tomorrow morning. Nothing. The essential strength of this church and its call and responsibility remains unfazed by anything that happens today. The equation is fixed in heaven. Get on your knees. Listen to this great God. Do what he says. There are great works still to be done, and we were all called to do them. Regardless of gender, age, experience, status in life, if you belong to the Lord, he's calling you, get up now. Get up. There is still work to be done. And that's where Jesus saw the center of this story. You can spend your life in other pursuits. Others, many do. But it won't get you anywhere. Uh, later the Bible will say, He who does the will of the Lord lives forever. It's only that person who perceives in all these things the very call of God and joins his life in union to that work. That's the person who lives forever and it's your invitation today. Notice please how early the Lord is pleased to start this training. 
He's training early of an active and obedient faith. In just moments after the blind man begins his encounter and discovery of God, he's given something to do. It's not a huge task. It's not really even very complicated. But the first thing he, ha he hears after the sound of spitting, after the feel of a cold, wet compress on his eyes, the first sound that he hears is a command. Go wash now. Do what I tell you. Don't argue. Don't delay. Get up. He doesn't even tell him what is happening. He doesn't say, here's what's about to happen. Over his life and in training for the next years of his life, he hears the voice of God say, get up. Go wash. It's going to be a pattern. That's how it was for me. When I was 17 years old, I heard the Spirit of God whisper, Receive Christ. Open your heart to a righteousness that you can never achieve on your own. Later, he said, Speak my word. Don't try to impress people with your personality or wit. Tell them what this book says. And when I found no power doing that, then he whispered, Study to show yourself approved. Spend time with me and there will be power in these words. Do you see? My story is just like yours. I have not had encounters with God where he didn't ask something of me. Tell me the next step. It wasn't always a whole package, but he said, do this and then do this and then do this and then go to San Antonio and then take Holly to Rowlett. Again and again, he said, this is what you do. There is life in these words. I'm not setting works against faith. I never would. I'm saying again that the first and best expression of true faith has always been obedient action. If you believe him, people of God, then get up. Get up. Go do what he is telling you to do. Feed the poor. Care for the lonely. Visit the sick. Preach the word. Repent be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit. All of God's great plan comes to you in a step-by-step -step imperative. He's going to tell you what to do, and you're going to trust him that your life will gradually and gradually soften and become light in the world. Matthew 12, Jesus says to a man, stretch out your hand. And he wants to say, you think I haven't tried that? You think I haven't tried to stretch my hand out? Stretch out your hand. He pushed those fingers forward and found strength. He said in John 6, pick up your mat. And he says, you think I haven't tried that? You think how many days I've tried to stand up? And Jesus says, trust me now. Pick up your mat. The miracle power of Christ flows into the life of a person who will obey. The miracle power of of Christ flows in the life of a person who will obey. I hear people talk about unconditional love. While I don't think there's anything you can do to cause God to love you, I do think that your experience and knowledge of the Holy One has everything to do with your willingness to obey Him when He speaks to you. When He makes clear what He is asking of you, your heart shouts, I will do that. I don't 
argue. I don't give you other explanations. I don't tell you why I'm not that person. Your heart says, yes, sir, I will do that. Get up. Do what God says. Don't delay. If this is January, it must be Genesis in my reading of God's word again and again. Genesis 1, 28. Here again, God described the human race. Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill this earth. Subdue it. You are not a victim. Don't you see this world as a danger that's larger than you or larger than the one that you're in partnership with? It isn't. Get up now. Do something about this city. Do something about lost people. Take that Sunday school class. Say, I will take that assignment. Stand up now. It is a gift that God gives all of us. Stop listening to your fears. Stop listening to the one who told you what you aren't. Start listening to the one who tells you what you are and what you are to do. So with artistic and moral beauty that is so often present in Scripture, this story becomes a parable and picture of pride. You see both salvation and then you see damnation. You see both people who respond and then to our horror, we watch people who will not. At the end of the day, it is not the blind man who cannot see. It's the Pharisees. It's the people who thought they knew everything they needed to know. And I allow that it's hard. Hard to admit that the world is bigger than we are and the story grander than we have construed. It makes me feel small and inadequate and anxious to admit that I don't know what the next chapter will be. I don't know what the next chapter for Holly and for me. I don't know what the next chapter for you. I don't know what the next chapter for our nation God knows. God knows. And it does not help me to pretend that I do know. It doesn't help me to act like I'll just hold tightly to that old construct of the way I wanted life to be. It is an act of faith to let that evaporate and say, then I will, with God's help, walk into a new chapter and he will guide me every step of the way. Verse 41, this terrible, terrible story. Jesus says to the Pharisees, if you were blind, you're, you wouldn't have any sin. If you could just admit you don't know what you're doing. If you could just admit you don't have this all under control. If you could just admit, I need you desperately. I need you desperately. Then you would have the benefit of his forgiveness. He would forgive you and help you. He helps those who are humble. In 1 Timothy 3, 1, the Apostle Paul is writing his young successor. If any man aspires to the office of overseer or pastor, it's a fine work he desires to do. Those are great words. Timothy, if you want to be a pastor, my brother, it, it's all going to boil down to just work. Um, when you go to your books to study what God's Word says, it'll be work. When you kneel and ask the Spirit of God to guide you. It'll be work. When you kneel and try to recover from the disappointments or the insults that come at you, it'll be work. When you find and hire and inspire a staff or you enlist lay leaders to this great task of building a church in the center of the city, when you tell them that their lives are more than just their own success and comfort, when you call them to something higher, it's just going to be work. 
You're going to have to do it. But dear church, if God has sent us a pastor who is willing to do that work, isn't there an assignment for us too? Each of us? In the koinonia of New Testament life, isn't part of what we owe God to take each other's hands this morning and say, we will do this work together. We will build a church here. We will hear his word. We will learn to pray. We will feed the poor. We will reach out in love. We will enter in the political life with a kind of balance and love for each other that sometimes is unknown to anybody else. Isn't that our job? If the Lord gives you a pastor and he has, isn't that our job? To, isn't there work left for us to do too? Nehemiah used to say, wow, that wall got built. It built up and joined. And he said, here's the explanation. The people had a mind to work. They were just willing to do it. Somebody said, well, dadgummit. That's a Greek word. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm not going to ask somebody else to do it. I'll do it. Whatever the Spirit of God leads me to do, I'm going to yield. We're going to do this together. So before we go to work on this next chapter of this church's history, the Lord will invite you to come to the table. Like breakfast for farm workers before they go out, he will say, don't try to do this on your own strength. Come here. Take in my life. Take in my holiness. Take in the very real presence of Christ. Christ in you. That's the hope. That's the miracle. So I'm going to invite you to come to this table. And then once we're finished, we're going to stand up here and we're going to go to work. Ready? Let's pray. Let's pray. Eternal one, you know humans, you know how we are. And, um, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the kind of kindness with which you've dealt with us. Patience. So come again in the person of your Holy Spirit. Come with broad shoulders and clear mind to tell us again that we have work to do. And that to trust you is to begin that work. Teach us again what was accomplished on the cross that prepares us for it in your name. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed, when he had every reason to fuss about how unfair life was, that is not what he did. He took that bread and he broke it and he began to pass it out. And so, friends... Let's gather around the Lord's table. On that night... He broke bread and he said, now this will represent my body. All the possibilities of it, all the strengths. And I will give it into you 
And then you will give your bodies to other people. Let's receive this morning.
Maybe this confuses last week's sermon with this week's, but remember Jesus saying, do you want to get well? Why would he feed you if you didn't want to get well? So do this and remember him, but as you do, whisper to him, I want to get well, and I'm willing to work for it. I'm willing to do what you ask me. Do this and remember him. Likewise, Jesus, knowing we needed more than the physical, he knew we needed him desperately in the sacrifice that he was going to give. Hey, there's nothing more in this life than we need. And so he obediently, sacrificially gave up his own life and poured his own blood out for us. And just before, he took the cup with his disciples and said, this is my blood.
give another moment or two, make sure everyone gets served. Got just a few more. took the cup and he said this is a new covenant it's a new covenant in blood in my blood that is poured out for you as often as you drink of it do this in remembrance of me in the large in the large logic of the new testament paul will later write what shall we say to these things to hear the logic. Uh, communication from God requires you to say something back to him. Uh, he will say, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He, he says, look, everybody, you can play this a lot of ways. You can play this day as just a day to be sad, a day to be afraid, a day to figure out what we're going to do. Or you can say, I hear you. Here's what I want to say back to you. From every heart, as pastor says again and again, everybody's supposed to respond. Everybody. Every week. There's something you're supposed to say to God because of what you've heard, what he's brought us through. And by the way, who's glad there are babies in this room this morning? Anybody glad there's babies? So this response time, you whisper to him, I hear you. I know what you're asking. I will do it. Come rededicate your life to the service of the Lord. Come join this church. Say, I believe God sent me here. Come give a profession of your faith that you've received Christ or you want to. You want to be baptized. Come and pray for the lost. The truth is, it's us who've made worship passive, not him. He decided that every believer ought to get up. Do what you've heard. Say what you believe. And we're going to do that. If we stand together, I'll be here. Chris will be here. The ministers of the staff will help you. But you got to walk. you got to do this with courage. Let's stand together and sing.
worship that one more shot. You can either let this just be a moment where you just kind of sing that hymn or you can say these truths. Shout them up there. Put this out there. We are not afraid. We're not. The Lord is good and he's near. So sing. Continue to make decisions. You shout. You shout. Don't sing. Shout. Shout. <laughs> continues to move. So in, in that spirit, I'm just going to ask that you be seated and Jennifer's going to continue to pray as the Lord just continues to move here. Aren't you grateful God is still calling people? children who are listening to you, whether you really mean this, sing and worship sing. the Lord. Sing. Sing with joy. Pray for your kids. They are not all hearing these, this message. Pray. You sing it so the little nine-year-old nine girl beside you knows where you stand. So you sing again. You sing for every little child who needs to hear this song. Tell it to my grandson and yours. You sing. You sing.
May this ever and always be our testimony. We listened, and they are listening. God bless you.
No more surprises, I promise. <laughs> From me. <laughs> Church, uh, we gather together, together every week in a response to God's goodness. And every time we come together, we proclaim how good he is to this fellowship. And we bathe in his word and in his worship. And then we are sent from here with life together. And so as we always do, let me call your attention to the back of your bulletin. And there are many ways that you can serve. So as you are filled with the Spirit today, my prayer is that you will go and say, how can I serve this fellowship best? There are many, many opportunities. So here, I'm just calling your attention to them. Got it? Great. There is one that, I, that is not printed in the bulletin that, that is very important that we talk about. As we celebrate the legacy of God's goodness towards us through his faithful servant and our under-shepherd, Don Guthrie, I mean, it's providential that this week also we are celebrating the legacy and the life of the Reverend Dr. Jimmy Allen, who for 12 years served as this, the pastor of this fellowship, of this body, from 1968 to 1980. Dr. Jimmy Allen served also as the president of the Southern Baptist Convention and was also the catalyst for our TV ministry. So we are so grateful for his life and legacy. And this week we found out that he had a heart attack earlier this week. He had been in ill health and it had been passed on to his eternal reward. So we are so thankful for his legacy. And, and it is important that we, we take a moment to recognize him and be thankful for him. So um, as we do so, I hope you'll remember fondly his legacy and his life. Brian? Church family, we have several that are coming to join this morning. And uh, first, we have Charlotte Thompson, who is coming, receiving Christ as her Savior. Charlotte. Charlotte has thought long about this. She's uh, met and talked about what it means to receive Christ. This morning, she had a sweet time with her mom and dad and received Christ. And we wanted to tell you, and then Pastor Chris will meet with her in the days ahead and talk about baptizing her. Way to go, sweet girl. We're really proud for you. And we welcome this morning Emily Gaston Highsmith who comes for membership from New Union Baptist Church in Russellville, Kentucky. Emily and Mark. Mark already belongs to us. Emily, many of you remember the Highsmiths family. Candy just passed. Uh, Emily comes this morning to join her life. She says it's time. It's really time, and we agree. Welcome home, sweet friend. And we welcome this morning the new Lagos worship director, Ethan Dupree, his wife, Melissa, their children, Ezekiel and Amira. Ethan and Melissa, we welcome you. We are so, so glad this young couple is going to join us and direct the worship in our Lagos service as we finish up in the chapel and we move over to the 4th Street crossing. So welcome to you guys. We're so glad you're here. Happy with, yes, that's right. If you're happy with the pastor to welcome these folks into this fellowship and you promise to be a New Testament church filled with God's Spirit so that they get to be a part of that great privilege, would you signify by saying, I? I and we love you. 
We really, really do. Okay, Charlotte and Emily, the Dupree's. If uh, can I have a deacon to carry them to the front door right here, Robert? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I am just off my game today. I just do not. It's not my day. (laughs) Oh. Don, you come up. Holly, come up. Come come stand here here behind me. Uh, We we do have some other business to tend to uh, before we dismiss. You know, I, I've been here about a year and a half now. Um, I'm grateful for that time for many reasons. But one of the primary reasons is uh, myself and my family have had the opportunity to get to know Don and Holly Guthrie. Um, you know, in a year and a half, they grow on you. <laughs> and so you, uh, you begin to love them. And so uh, this is our time to honor them. And as we do, let me, let me make some, a couple of special recognitions first. First, we have our mayor, Ron Nirenberg, with us today. Mayor, thank you for being here. Um, we're, we're grateful for he, his wife, Erica, his son, Jonah, are here too. Thank you. For, you're a blessing to us. Thank you, Jonah. We, we, lo- we, we love your family. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we're also from the Bereavement Center, uh, Bert Feistress here. Thank you, Bert, for being here and being a part of this. Um, next, we're, we're also blessed. We are a part in this church of, of what's called the Baptist General Convention of Texas. Um, and the executive director, David Hardage. David, you come on forward. Uh, David Hardage is the executive director of the Baptist General Convention of Texas, and he has uh, something to present to Don. Good morning and thank you. Uh, representing the Baptist General Convention of Texas, and on behalf of 5,338 churches, their pastors, and their members, I'm here to present to you this certificate of congratulations and say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and we have a few things from our church that we have for Don and Holly. Uh, first presentation is Art Scott. Art, come. Art is the chairman of our personnel committee. Um, and uh, we've been working for months on a special gift for Don. And uh, Art has a few things to say and a presentation to make. Come, Art. <laughs> Let me put this bag right down here. Well, good afternoon, church family. Today I have the privilege of representing all of you, the combined congregations from the traditional service, the Lagos service, our Spanish-speaking services, our internationals who meet around the city who are all gathered in here today. Uh, I also know that I represent tens of thousands who virtually attend this service, either online or on TV, and those are faithful followers as well. And then for the past 23 years, all of the members, the visitors, the friends, the community leaders, and others who have passed through those doors over there and sat under Don Guthrie's leadership, I have that privilege of representing. So thank you all for being here uh, and worshiping this morning. 
Don and Holly's ministry at First Baptist began nearly 23 years ago when they faithfully answered the Lord's call and relocated from northern Florida back to Don's home state of Texas to serve as our senior pastor. A few minutes of tribute would never do justice to the remarkable ministry of Don and Holly Guthrie and to their deep investment in the people of God, the people of this church and in this community. But I think the one thing that we've all come to appreciate along the Guthrie's journeys are the many things, many that I call Don Guthrieisms that we all lovingly quote. From lighthearted statements like, we don't do anonymity here, or I love hearing laughter in the halls, to more significant challenges to take our faith and mission in this city seriously, like, do you want to build a church? Or, I believe in miracles on McCullough. To occasionally being called to pay attention to a critical, insightful comment during worship and teaching time with statements and questions like, watch me here. <laughs> or, is this mic on? <laughs> but today I'll share one of my favorites. I happened to look forward to the midweek pick-me-up email that Pastor Don sends out to preview the scripture lesson we'll learn this week. And then most times, Don closes his email with a two-part statement that I really find profound when I think about it. The first part, I'll be looking for you this Sunday. May not seem remarkable at first, but when you dig deeper, consider what led Don to make that statement. True on the surface, it's a welcoming gesture to personally invite all of us to church. But I think it's much more meaningful than that. I don't think there's anyone under the sound of my voice who didn't, after their initial visit to First Baptist, get a personal phone call from Don within a week or so where he called you by name. And from then on, he remembered your name and your kids' names and your family situation, and he spoke to you like he knew you well every time he saw you. And Holly does the exact same thing. The result is that every one of us feels like Pastor Don has made himself one of our closest friends. He has, which is why he really does look forward to seeing us on Sundays. The second part of his closing is that it looks like it's going to be a great day. You know, some might consider that daring, the weathermen try, but don't have that good of a batting average at getting the Sunday forecast correct if they make a weekend prediction sometime earlier in the week. But Don never wavers. He always looks forward to a great Lord's Day, knowing with full confidence that it will be. And that's not because all of the Sundays of Don's ministry here have been without struggles and burdens of the heart because we all know the seasons that we've been through. But Don has consistently called the Lord's Day great. His deep conviction is that any day that he gets to pray with, teach, preach, welcome home new believers and new members, and then fellowship and laugh with his congregation is truly a great day. So this Sunday, January 13th, 2019 in particular, is a great Sunday. It's an historic one for our church as it marks the completion of an incredibly successful transition of senior leadership from Don to Chris. And it's especially a great Sunday for the Guthrie family as they have the opportunity to celebrate their ministry here 
and we get to celebrate with them and help them into their next season of life, retirement. And so speaking of retirement, I get the honor of presenting for the church uh, a gift for you, Don. I will say that um, we probably took a, a few things into consideration. First, it's not lost on any of us that over the course of decades of ministry, we have no idea how many hours or days this man and this family has, has given up because they saw it a priority to do the Lord's work or look after God's people. So something that included the gift of time. Secondly, we know that you have been very deliberate and intentional about your transition, relocating, retiring, and downsizing. And so we thought it best collectively if this group came together to gift and honor you. And then finally, if you ask just about anyone, what do they really want to do in retirement? One of the top things they're going to tell you is, we want to travel more. <laughs> Are you nodding over there, Miss Holly? Okay, well, that's really good because what our church family would like to gift to them is a gift of travel. So, Donna and Holly, let me see what I have in my bag. First for Don, to, to a man who spent nearly a year purging a library and throwing away many books and donating a number of books that are now probably in your library as you pick them up out there, yet Don is still a voracious reader. An Amazon happy reading gift card, Don, you're, go you're, you're gonna need that. You're gonna need that in retirement. While Don's kind of the inside, quiet reading type, Holly's more of a go-getter. Yeah. <laughs> Holly likes it outdoors, but Holly needs protection, and so we have for Holly a new set of sunglasses and some sunscreen. Wow. So, Miss Holly. That's awful. <laughs> oh, uh, another for Don. Don rises early, and Don starts drinking coffee early. And then Don drinks coffee midday. <laughs> and then Don drinks coffee later in the day. But you know why you're traveling? You just never know where you might find yourself. So you're going to need some of these K-cups just to put in your emergency stash Good. and have with you so, so, so that you'll have some, some coffee. Let me see. Oh, okay. I, okay, this is something I personally do not have some knowledge about, but it, it comes on, on, on good reference. I understand that Miss Holly really likes the beach. And one of the things she really likes to do is post this picture on Facebook of some very nicely pedicured feet <laughs> after she's walked around in the sand and gotten some sand and water on her feet and the waves are in the background there. And for Miss Holly, we have some wild and wet cherry nail polish that next time, next time you get, get your feet painted, Look for that on Facebook. Oh, oh, another thing for Pastor Don. Wow. You know, one of the things that's a mandate in retirement, naps. You need naps and rest time. 
And you may be on planes, you may be on places where you need some assistance to get that rest. So we've got an eye cover and wow. some uh, wow. you know, earbuds there for you and, <laughs> and, and that will help you out. I only find one more thing in my uh, bag here. Let me throw all this stuff back in here. You need help there, are Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> for the last couple of months, as Chris said, uh, kind of silently and in the background, the faithful church family has indeed come together. Oh, by the way, this is as much a surprise to them as it is to you. So this is kind of special. Um, to borrow another Guthrieism, way to go, church. Well done. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I have the privilege today of representing you and indeed presenting Don and Holly with the gift of travel. We had established a Guthrie Travel Fund. Wow. And your people have responded. And to date, and I say to date because this, we still continue to get donations. The Guthrie Travel Fund, and I will present Don and Holly with a check for $26,050.88. Way to go, church. This is for you, my brother. Oh, thank you, Art. Y'all just, just have a great time. <laughs> I made it off my own. That is crazy. That'll go to South Padre I'm, a lot of times. <laughs> you need to go further than South Padre. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't forget your bag. $26,000 will get you to South Padre. It will. So don't worry. Don't. Oh, Paris, how about that? Y'all remain, we still have a couple more. We still have a couple more. Um, in fact, I, I have the pri privilege of presenting one. Um, coming from the transition team, uh, through the personnel, and through the church as a whole, uh, we have another gift uh, for, for the two of you. Let me begin by, by saying this. On one hand, a pulpit is a stage prop. A pulpit holds notes and iPads and things like that. But on the other hand, a pulpit stands at the center, center of the sanctuary, lifting up the open word of God for his people. In fact, we have this pulpit front and center because the preaching of God is front and center in this church. The pulpit is more than a prop. The pulpit marks the priority of the proclamation of God's word. In fact, this pulpit before us is a, the most beautiful example itself wrapped in John 15, 5. You see it in front of me. It's unique, like those pulpits of the greatest preachers of the gospel. You may remember Billy Graham had a custom pulpit that he had made that he carried with him everywhere that he went. And that custom pulpit Billy Graham had made is kept in the Billy Graham Museum in Chicago. Martin Luther, the great Protestant ref, uh, reformer, had an ornately carved custom pulpit it's kept in his museum, the monastery where he lived in Germany. And the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London still houses the custom pulpit of the great Charles Spurgeon. In his pulpit, it had a clock built right into the, the face of it. Hey. And none of them, none of those unique pulpits surpass the beauty or history of Don Guthrie's pulpit that stands in front of us today. Now, you may not be aware of this, but this pulpit that I'm holding on to is an irreplaceable piece of art that was custom made by hand for Don Guthrie. 
says right here in the front uh, by Kurt Voss, gave this gift to Don almost 20 years ago. And it marked a changing in the tide of this church. There was a past, and we have moved from that past to a new future. And as Don preached and this new pulpit came, it was a mark that the past was behind us and we were stepping forward into a new future. As Don faithfully preached the Word of God from this pulpit Sunday after Sunday. Now, unfortunately, we don't have a Guthrie Museum. And it would look weird to have a pulpit inside of Guthrie Falls. Hey. <laughs> All right. Do you want the pulpit in Guthrie Falls? No. no. Okay. It's not right. We may change this and put the pulpit in Guthrie Falls, but that's not what we have before us today. So Don and Holly, we want you to have this historic pulpit, and we hope this becomes an heirloom for your grandchildren and your future great-grandchildren to be able to touch a piece of First Baptist San Antonio and hear the stories of your faithful service here. May they marvel at this brass-adorned pulpit where your Bible rested every Sunday for the last 20 years. Uh, this is yours, brother. Thank you. We love you. And one more, uh, Aaron Hufty has a, one more presentation for us. Several months ago, Pam Wright was sitting and thinking about Don and Holly and marveling at how, how can we honor them as a church. And she thought about how every year the seniors in high school, as they graduate, we give them Bibles and we write on them the scriptures that, that mean the most to us. And she had an idea. She figured you probably do have a Bible. So we thought maybe not that, that idea again, but she did have the idea to make a quilt. Many of you have taken part in this quilt um, in the last several months where you have written the scriptures that mean the most to you, and it has been beautifully and, and uh, wonderfully assembled together. And it is displayed over in the Tobin garage, and you'll be able to see that in a few minutes. But um, I would like to read the dedication that's on it just so everyone will, will know. It says, Wrapped in Love. Presented with love and appreciation to our beloved Don and Holly, we are eternally grateful for your steadfast love and devotion to God's Word. Thank you for your 23 years of humble leadership and heartfelt ministry at First Baptist Church San Antonio. With God's blessings, best wishes on your retirement, you are dearly loved. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1, 3, and 4. This was quilted by Pam Wright, Cheryl Ratcliffe, and Linda Parker, and many, many of you have contributed wow. to that, so we are very grateful. God bless you. Thank you, my brother. We love you. Let me give you some brief instruction, and then I will give you more instruction after that. This is the way this is going to work. In, in just a second, William Nichols, our chairman of our deacons, is going to come and pray for Don and Holly. Uh, as he is praying for Don and Holly, we're going to gather Don and Holly. We're going to gather their family, and we're going to escort them across to 4th Street Crossing. So as William is praying, and as he concludes his prayer, you remain where you are. And we're going to let them be escorted out. And then I've got a few more instructions I'm going to give you a, uh, after the prayer as they are being escorted out. William, come and pray.
Folks, just a point of order here, uh, if I may. We, all the people who joined this morning, if you would uh, go out right outside that door, that first door right there, and stand, and the, the congregation would be happy to come by and greet you. So if you uh, joined this morning, those folks, if you would just make your way right outside that door, that would be great. Thanks. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you now eternally thankful. Uh, thankful for who you are. We're thankful for your grace, your mercy, your loving kindness. Really great is your faithfulness. Thank you for Don and Holly Guthrie, for the joy of knowing them, loving them, learning from them, and for this special day in which we can joyfully celebrate with them. Thank you, God, for sharing Don and Holly with us here at First Baptist Church for the past 23 years. While none of us know what tomorrow holds, we hold to what we do know, and that is that you, God, are faithful and you are true. We trust you. We entrust Don and Holly to you, and we entrust this body of believers to you. That's what we do know how to do. Thank you for equipping us and preparing us for this, for this moment, this moment for which you've equipped and prepared Don and Holly. Give Don and Holly joy, courage, wisdom, as they transition and continue serving you. We thank you for this moment, for how you've equipped and prepared Chris and Amy Johnson for the privilege of leading your work through First Baptist Church in this amazing city. We're so very thankful that you brought Chris and Amy and their family here. We pray that you give Chris and Amy joy, courage, and wisdom as they lead. We also recognize this moment that you've equipped and prepared this church to continue in your kingdom work in the center of this city. We're privileged to serve in your work here at First Baptist Church of San Antonio. May our joyful memories of your work through Don and Holly over the past 23 years help us embrace the future with unspeakable joy, courage, and wisdom. Great is your faithfulness. We love you. We love Don and Holly, and we always will. Thank you. It's in Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Okay, as, as William and Art escort the, the Guthrie's uh, across the street, let me, let me explain what, what's going to happen. Uh, we are going to have a reception honoring Don and Holly in... Uh, yeah, you're supposed to be gone. Well done. Have, have a seat just for a moment. Well, well done. Uh, we, we're going to have a reception now in 4th Street Crossing, and let me give you uh, some help. 
Um, uh, any of these doors uh, you can get to 4th Street Crossing from. In fact, it may be easier for some of us to go out these doors. 4th Street Crossing is just across the street. That way you can go out the back doors. In fact, it's maybe easier for us to go that direction. Please be aware, though, some of us do need to exit out this way. Our new members are standing at the door here. If you, if you are leaving out this way, you need to go out here and then go back around the building and cross 4th Street and head into 4th Street Crossing. But let, let me tell you, we, we are so blessed to have this, this new facility. If you haven't seen it, I hope you, you get over there and see the amazing work that's been done. It just opened this week, and that's going to be a wonderful contemporary worship space for us and a banquet hall for us. Um, and let me say one more thing. On Friday night, we had an event, a foundation event, honoring Don and Holly. And there was one presentation made in the opening of that new space on Friday night. There's one other way that we're going to honor Don and Holly and keep that name uh, present on our lips. So one of the ways that, that we do that is we have Guthrie Falls and Guthrie Courtyard that we'll use often. But another way, our foundation has developed uh, a new fund. In fact, it's called the uh, Guthrie Endowment for the Generations. And in fact, you can contribute in their honor to this endowment fund, and it's going to bless general, generational ministry of this church. So we hope you uh, take the opportunity to do that and honor Don and Holly uh, through giving to that uh, Guthrie Endowment uh, for the Generations. Um, with that said... Uh, I believe Don and Holly have probably had enough time to, to get across the street and get over into 4th Street Crossing. Uh, we hope you'll take the time. We plan on doing this for about 12, 1230 uh, to 3, and so we'll gather over there and continue uh, to bless and honor them. Thank you for being here today. It was, it was perfect. Good job. Okay, one more moment of worship together, and then we will go celebrate do you know that 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary, when the darkest chapter in, in man's history, when Christ was on a cross, God was on his throne? Do you know that in 1861, the darkest chapter in American history, he said, form a church in the center of that city, and God was on his throne. 23 years ago, in a very uncertain chapter of this very church, God was on his throne. He is on his throne today and tomorrow he will be on his throne. And it is our faithful service to say, we will follow. We're going to have faith in God, and we are going to celebrate his faithfulness towards us. Let us worship, have faith in God, and we'll be dismissed. <laughs>